Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. This is Inside Conan. I'm Mike Sweeney. I'm Jesse Gaskell. And we're excited to be together again. We are. We Even can't get enough. We're together every day. <laughs> we're excited to be together with microphones. It's a whole different dynamic. <laughs> Uh, so this is the podcast where we show you behind the scenes of the Conan show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we learn right along with you how a late night show gets made. It's a real eye opener. I had no idea. I know. I've only been working in late night for 10 years. I learned something new every time. I, I really do. I, today we actually learned a lot from our guests. Yeah, I learned that some of my coworkers are are very qualified to do their job. I was stunned at the uh, resume of yeah. one of our interviewees today. Me too. It's very impressive. So people deserve to be here. It's kind of cool. Yep. So today we are going to talk to comedian Moses Storm, who was mm-hmm. on the show this week. Yes. Um, he had some incredible stories. He, you know, stand-up comics generally have uh, interesting childhoods. His is way up His there, takes I think. the cake. It's, it's way up in the top ten. Yeah, so he told us about growing up with parents who started an unsuccessful cult. Right. If a child came up to you now, you'd be like, hi, that's very bold of you, hi. So it's like, yes, whatever <laughs> you're about to say. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, I had it for hell. And they're like, what's that? <laughs> H-E-E-L. Right. And then I would hand them like a propaganda flyer that my dad had drawn of Mickey Mouse getting crucified. Man, it's bad enough saying you grew up with parents that started a cult, but one that didn't quite catch on. I know. They weren't very good at it. Oh, that's rough. Oh, we also talked to J.P. Buck. He books all the comedians on our show. Yeah. You know, we learned some of his secrets and Mm -hmm. also some of the things he looks for and how he does his job. And, And in today's world, he actually looks at comedians from all over the world. Yeah. I said world twice. And he. Uh, <laughs> not ideal. Go for a fourth. Sorry. Uh, and his, his worldview really <laughs> brings the world of comedy into us on a very intimate slash world basis. Yeah, he gave, uh, I thought, some really good advice for aspiring comics. Yeah. Who might want to get on a Absolutely. late night show. But first, Sweens. Yeah. What do you say oh, we talk Jesse, about? What? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. What do you say we talk about uh, what happened on Conan this week? Yeah, let's do it. The Conan show. We had some great guests this week. Some great comedy too. On the television show. Absolutely. It's some still very a funny thing. Bits. Yep. Moses Storm, of course, who Moses we're going to hear more from later. Burt Kreischer. Kathy Bates was on. Ugh, icon. She's great. And uh, Timothy Oliphant. Yes. Who always has a really good rapport with Conan because I think they hang out they in hang real out. life. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, so one of my favorite moments from the Timothy Oliphant interview. Mm-hmm. Oliphant, that's a hard name to say because yeah. it's I'm glad you're so saying much like it. elephant. I have no idea how to say it. Conan always says the Oliphant in the room. Yes. One of my favorite moments was when they told a story of a fan coming up and... In a, they're in a restaurant together, yes. I think. And yes, they're... Someone came up and, and kind of perfectly insulted both of them in one fell swoop. Beautiful. It was a, a real piece of uh, Yeah, I was jealous. Art. She was so excited to see both of us. And she said, no, you don't understand. She said, if, if I, could, I could have a guy with, and she referenced to me, with your looks, and then she looked at you and said, and your brain... <laughs> Wow. 
It's awesome. It's awesome. It awesome. She, le- she left, and both of us <laughs> felt like shit. It was really the rest of the night. Like- One thing I don't think I realized until I started working for Conan yeah. is how often people come up to him and just say weird things. It's and now the selfie with with oh yeah the advent of the smartphone. It's people just. They don't even ask anymore. They used to politely like, "Could I get a photo?" Yeah, and now it's just like, "Hey, you, come here." It literally is like, "Hey, yeah, you see my phone, you know what you have to do." Yeah, yeah. Like we know <laughs> you're, you're a trained celebrity dog. <laughs> I, get over this is here. A binding agreement. Almost, yes. Oh, I've seen it wordlessly yeah. done. Yeah. I like when they give me the the camera. And, oh, right. And then I just take a selfie of myself. But oh, that's I never, great. I never tell them that. <laughs> I like what, sometimes it's great. It when we've been great. traveling in other countries, people will ask for the photo and then afterwards they'll ask me, they'll say, who is that? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> they just know that it's someone that they want a photo with. That's right. Who's <laughs> famous. And then they'll look it up later. This goes, this, this will go with my other photo of people I don't know. Yeah. I like when they think, He's a different host. That's always oh, yeah, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> we love that th- bit in the cars. <laughs> right. They think he's Martha Stewart. <laughs> <It's> not- <laughs> we redid our kitchen based on your recommendations. <laughs> it is. It, it, it's fun, though, because in other countries, he he does a thing where he kind of mutters under his breath. As a joke, he calls people murderer. Right. Ha ha hilarious. (laughs) It's a compulsion. It is yes. I I do think it's a a little bit of a tick. I don't know if he I wonder if he truly does does it when he's alone. (laughs) Like I would be curious to set up some GoPros. Like if he mutters it with about people when there isn't an audience for it. Yeah. (laughs) But he says it pretty He says it he says it. He'll, loud. He will say it as loud as he needs to. But he'll say he it really quickly, to. so I think most people don't know. Murderer. They're like, he didn't call me a murderer. Right. What did right. He, he didn't just say that. Or maybe the people are like, oh, I guess those other people, one of the other people there is a murderer. But yeah. it can't be me. <laughs> I don't even know this man, and I just served him his entree. How would he Why know would that he, I've murdered? Right. <laughs> you know, it, when he's in other countries, you think – he would learn to say murderer in their native in language. language. I think should, that would be a nice touch. That would be a goal. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be respectful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> we, we digress. So, yes, the next time you ask for a selfie, you listen for the trailing murderer as he steps yes. away. Yes, and also ask because it's polite. Yeah. Why don't we jump into our conversation with Moses Storm? Oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. He has an amazing, as we mentioned earlier, an incredible backstory. Yeah. His childhood is is one to savor. Check it out. <laughs> well, can we talk a little bit? You have uh, a wild backstory. I, yeah. I, I There's so many comedians I know who, you know, they, they almost love to... It's like a game to see who can outdo each other for having the most fucked crazy, up fucked yeah. up childhood. Right. Right. And Ooh, yours, right. I, I, I was very impressed. But how fucked, how up, fucked it up it was. Yeah, it's, it's very an fucked up. Legitimately, it yeah. wasn't like you, you. You have bragging rights. Manipulated right. things, yeah. No. Yeah, so my parents uh, started and ran an unsuccessful cult. <laughs> oh, they started they it. They started it. I didn't it. know they, yeah. they were go-getters. Do you yeah. think that's better or worse than it, if it had been successful? I think, well, I yes, it'd probably be a problem, but I do legitimately, outside of any sort of bit, like get, I watch like these Netflix documentaries and all these right. podcasts yeah. about, I watch podcasts uh, about... Uh, cults and I legitimately right, get like the jealous. Bhagwan and, yeah, yeah, of like, oh, they have these like sex parties. There's yeah. gun running. There's there's like private FBI jets. chases. Yes, mm-hmm. private jets. Which we had nothing. We had a bunch of neon oh. signs and no one cared. <laughs> so so, what you said they failed? How, yeah. What were the most followers they had? So they had zero followers. Okay. And then they not even just their, their children. children? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, let's make some. Yeah. And right. they had five children, and then that's why I'm alive. For that purpose. Right. Uh, so, then, no, but not even a neighbor who would casually. People would drop hang around with us for like a or, little bit, but once yeah. they figured out that we didn't have weed, they'd be like, okay, no, this isn't. <laughs> What's the Is point? weed a big part of. Uh, well, the, you think because we would be like hippies because right. on the, the facade of it is that we were in a bus. 
traveling you, you, around. You lived in a, yeah. you lived in a bus. We lived in a, a old Greyhound bus that they had ripped the oh, seats out great. of. Oh, Greyhound's nice. I was thinking, I was feeling yeah. bad for you. It was a school bus, but Greyhound has... Uh, okay, you've clearly never been on a Greyhound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he tips the Greyhound I driver. do. Driver. Right. <laughs> uh, Steve it is, right, I believe? Oh, no, that What's was the, the catch guy of the Delhi. day on this Greyhound? <laughs> um, syphilis. And so they, uh, yeah, so they they converted an old, like, beat-up, broken-down Greyhound bus into an RV themselves. Like, not well. They didn't wow. do a good job. <laughs> wow. It didn't turn out at all. Uh, my dad built us uh, a bunk beds, that, but he forgot to measure for the mattress oh, no. in the back. Always a common bus yes. in, turning into a <laughs> home It's the first thing you thought of. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Bus, you're like, Classic. What, what were the size of the bunk beds? Don't be angry at your father. It's not his but the reason that uh, that I was just reminded us, the reason that the bunks had to be so small in that particular area of the bus is so my parents had room inside of the bus for an industrial size cotton candy machine <laughs> <laughs> that we were going to quote make money off of. Oh, that so that was the side. Product. That was like the, the side thing candy. is that we'd show up and we'd yell at people like you're headed for hell, and then spun sugar. Oh. So well, some, did the, the machine was installed literally yes. installed or just it was it, we, well, it's an industrial size. One so once it's in there, it doesn't move. Right, and it gets good for so the gas hot. economy. Yes. Oh my god, I love that. Even <laughs> oh then, they knew that they're like, we're not going to get people in. Based right, on, based right. On the dog they already had a plan, yeah. a terrible plan B. There's no self esteem in the cult. We're going to need a side hustle. Did they also let them like throw baseballs at you guys or something or like some no? Kind that of would be fun. Games? That yeah. would be fun. That's all like things that, that I'm like, yeah, they could have done all these things. Mm. So would your dad have an adri- or mother dri- have a driving itinerary every day or would you just uh, here's the other embarrassing yes. thing is that they got the bus to be like we're gonna go everywhere right, right? We spent most of our time in Florida. Yeah. Okay. You can only stay in an RV park for, for two weeks at a time. Right. Oh. And my dad found two RV parks that were within four miles of each other and we would just oscillate between the two oh, parks wow. for six years. To the point where even hurricanes would come and hit the, the gulf where we were living. And my dad would be like, we're going to ride it out. We're going to ride it out. <laughs> no. In the rolliest of all the foundations, <laughs> a bus. Because you didn't yeah. have the gas money because of the cotton the candy gas, machine. The cotton candy was just not. <laughs> that, you got <laughs> No one wanted five sugar. miles a gallon. Yeah. This is incredible. It's well, a gr- amazing story. What were some of the tenants of uh, yeah. Of the cult. So yeah. it's like a mix of Judaism, Catholicism, and Christianity. Wow. Sort of like a greatest hits. They kind of cherry-picked all the least fun parts of those religions. <laughs> so it's just like all rules. Uh-huh. Uh, not, nothing that's pleasurable or all fun. All shame. All shame. Everyone you meet is essentially doomed, headed for hell. They would hate you. Now, is cotton candy, <laughs> is that under <laughs> Judaism? Or is that, that's cotton candy Catholic, is, right? is their DMT. That's the way to enlighten did they work, them. Did they work the cotton candy into any of their towns? No. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that also would have been a great idea, yeah, right? You yeah. rope them in with a sweet treat. Well, they can they give it another try? Are they? <laughs> they look back on it right now. It's like a little scary how they look back on it. They look back on it like how like white people look back on having dreadlocks in their 20s. It's like, well, it was <laughs> like crazy, was man. Yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? So they just slap it off? Like, oh, they oh, laugh oh. it off now, yeah. Oh, six years like, in Florida. <laughs> right. Mm. And what are, did all the kids go into comedy? No, everyone, everyone as like a rebellion got the, the most stable job and I became see. just like a great uh, father and is, is uh, sending their finance. kids to real school. How, how many yeah. siblings? Yeah, all finance bros and they're all <laughs> addicted to cocaine. <laughs> um, no, they're all just like, they work at a grocery store or like they make contacts. Um, so it's very like. They, they learned to trade and actually, yes. yeah. Yes, they're just trying to like uh, right. blend in. And I'm the one person that's like, I'm going to spin this into gold. I'm still like, going <laughs> to win mom and dad back. Right. My zany lifestyle. <laughs> this is all for them. So do yeah. your parents, are, do they give your siblings a hard time for being straight? Mm. No, not at all. Because what happens when you have, uh, or at least from a very young age, when you're sentient enough to be like, oh, my parents, they don't right. got it. Right. They don't got this. Is that the power dynamic shifts where you kind of become a peer with them. So mm. it's just like, we're yeah. all in this together. Also, we were making more, if not the same amount of money as them. 
with, with the our, cotton candy. With our cotton candy, <laughs> the weird side jobs that we would have. So there was never oh, like, so you were contributing money? to the household from yes. an early age. Well, up until like even three years ago was, was still like giving my mom money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the moving every two weeks back and yeah. forth, would, would you be back? back yes, I'm glad you Turn into on one that. and were yes. people like, did your dad be like, hey, we just happened to be in right. the area yes. two would, weeks later? And he tried that. to play would, it off. And then the embarrassing is RV parks are filled with people that are just traveling. So people right. would have all these great travel stories. Oh. Of like, yeah, we were just in Baton Rouge mm-hmm. and then we right. went to Mardi Gras. And then we would be you like, guys were well, like we, we were 100 yards away. <laughs> have you been down the street? There's a gas station. The 7 Eleven across uh-huh. town. It's is great. The incredible. scratching lottery tickets, they're almost all winners. Would your dad put religious objects outside? the bus yeah. once you landed. So at a, at a so Greyhound bus, what would your yard knowing that you've never seen a Greyhound bus, they have sometimes no, the I bus haven't. routes at the front. Uh-huh. These are these things that you yell at and you go, what's that train doing on this street? Uh, right. In your, in your leather Bentley. Did yours say heaven? <laughs> Next it stop, did, heaven. It always had like, you guys are headed for hell. Right. Like it always oh. had something very oh. uh, eye-catching. Yes. So not, it wasn't subtle at all. Why not go there with a the delicious cotton candy? <laughs> Do you think that they would have, if they had known about the Westboro Baptist Church, yeah. would they have been a part of something like that? Uh, no, because they were they took a lot of pride in their own in their own thing. So they were against. Uh, so why they wouldn't claim that they're Christian or, um, or or Jewish is that there's rabbis, priests, pastors. All those are wrong. It should mm-hmm. be no middleman. It should just be you straight to God. Mm-hmm. So any except any, for them, yeah. Except for them, I guess. <laughs> they could get you there. Right, right. Yeah. To point you in the right direction. Yeah. So, no, but they did, uh, similar to the way, uh, they, my parents would, like, try to get arrested, where oh. it was, like, a badge of honor to, oh. like, oh, it's like, sir, you could just be on the sidewalk. You don't have to be in the intersection with that neon sign. <laughs> and they got arrested? My dad got arrested once out of all the times he tried to get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't. Yeah. He literally <laughs> couldn't get arrested. He couldn't get arrested. He couldn't. Holy get, well, this cow. is in Columbus, Ohio. He oh, finally okay. got arrested. He was at some street festival and it was like the middle of the night. And they're like, just don't. Like the concert's letting out. We need to let people through and you're in the street. What was the concert? Uh, it was like some music festival. Oh. Um, I think it was like a Rusted Root well, He was like, we're going to pick some of them off and bring them to our side. Yeah. Like, that's another yeah. thing. It's like, this is, that's not the most receptive people. It's people right. leaving a concert or, <laughs> trying, or like spring <laughs> break teens trying to screaming on alcohol. Hour. That's not the people that are like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I need right now? Some divine intervention. <laughs> a direct path to Let me look at some of these misspelled mm. propaganda signs. Oh, that's the other thing is my mom was, um, I'm going to talk about this on the show tonight, but my mom was also dyslexic. So no overlap. No, sorry. Go right, ahead. people. Go ahead. Fake in the comments for this podcast. <laughs> right. um, sorry, my go ahead. my mom would um she would misspell some of the the giant eye catching signs, but they were so expensive to reproduce that sometimes she would just go out with a sign oh. that said you're headed for heel. Uh, <laughs> oh my! Yeah, that's a tough one to misspell. That's, that's the one you try to drive it home. She didn't want to be part of the cult. That was she was trying to undermine your dad. I think. Did you Worn kids ever get in trouble? Yeah, that's a lot of rules, and it's like a lot of the Bible goes but I mean, against I mean what, with what the, kids are. Like out in public with your parents, did did anyone ever try to? Uh, people would just be uh, shocked. Intervene or anything? Yeah, no, yes. People would be behalf. like, this is wrong. Because I would okay. be two or three years old, oh, and I would wow. just have like a loaded up sentence in my head where I would go up to an adult. And if a child came up to you now, you'd be like, hi. That's very right. bold of you. Hi. So you'd like, yes, whatever <laughs> you're about to say. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, I had it for hell. And they're like, what's that? <laughs> H-E-E-L. Right. And then I would hand them like a propaganda flyer that my dad had drawn of Mickey Mouse getting crucified. Oh, my God. Is that real? That's a very real. That's just anti-Disney. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a cool tattoo. I literally did. I remember that just in the moment, and the image of that is so funny. He's being crucified. Of all the Disney characters. It was like capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, I don't exactly know what that's saying. Now I would put that snowman from Frozen on the Yes, get him crucified. Oh, get him out Uh, of there. I don't even know his name. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, so he's into art. Um, do you, uh, do any he, of these brochures? 
Uh, yes, I still have them in my oh, in my um, personal collection. They're uh, so yeah. full of hate that I can't like post oh, them wow. as like a Throwback Thursday joke, right? Because they're so like, oh, <laughs> so right, intolerant, right, so right. gross that I I can't get behind. But you're it. saving yeah. them for the Hulu documentary about. Well, I your definitely parents. I've over my bed. I have a giant framed crucified Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving Greyhound is the name yeah, of the Leaving documentary. Greyhound. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah. Did they paint the Greyhound? Yes, spray oh. paint. And okay. guess what? You oh. could tell. You was it crazy tell. colors? Was it? Uh, no, it was just like oh. they tried to do a good job, which is even worse. It's like silver <laughs> oh, and teal. No. But spray paint does not go on like you hope. Especially not after a couple hurricanes. <laughs> no, not at all. Everything would fall apart. My dad always like, it was like before YouTube tutorials, he would like build a cabinet and it would just shatter the second you close it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, And people would want to come in because like, it was mm. mostly just like honey wagons and, and real RVs. So people are like, oh my God, you converted your own bus? And they'd get maybe two steps in and be like, oh, okay, we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to show you the back. Like, no, no we no, get no, it. No. We get it. It was like it really Road wasn't selling fine. them when they saw the craftsmanship. Not at all. Yeah. No. So I, am I gleaning correctly? Your parents are still together? No. Okay. No, they right. they divorced around the same time that the uh, religion kind of disbanded. Oh, that the that religion was started to allow divorce, right? Yes. and then immediately. Yeah. yeah. Do they blame, or did they blame each each blame each other for the failure of the cult? Uh, I think they just both wanted to have uh, their twenties, and then that never happened, mm. right? Because of the religion. So then, in their late thirties, okay. they got divorced got and it. had a midlife crisis. My right. mom became a professional bodybuilder. <gasps> Wait, who did? My mom. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I would go to these contests as a kid, and nothing <laughs> can prepare you for how boring oh. a bodybuilding contest <laughs> is oh going to be. It's just like three and a half hours of people. Three and a half hours? Flexing. Yeah, just flexing. Just yeah. like 92% nude people Did you flexing. have to like oil her up for it or anything? Yes. Oh. And that's a whole thing. I got to open up in therapy. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the backstage was honestly terrifying for me as a kid because uh, you think like, oh, bodybuilders are strong. But when you see them in a contest, they haven't eaten or drank anything in the last 48 hours. Mm. Wow. So to like get defined. Sure. So the backstage, these fucking beasts would just faint left and right and they'd fall on the ground. They'd like grab my arm to like steady oh, themselves no. and they make like a self tanner mark on my arm. Oh. And but they then slid off because of the oil. Slid right off. And then their trainer would start like reviving them and trying to squirt water into their mouth because oh like the human body needs that. Right. And then they would, then these bodybuilders would come to and they would start freaking out about all the calories they just ingested in the water, the water. and start making themselves throw up on the ground. So I would be backstage and it's just these like piles of muscles wrapped in skin just <laughs> regurgitating on the ground. Vomiting. Yeah. To get rid of the water. <sighs> to get rid of any water weight. That should have been the show backstage. That, I would watch that, yes. Because <laughs> wow. the front is so boring. Yeah. These guys look like superheroes, but yeah. they can't do anything. I'm just, you basically as a child had no idea what it, what an adult looked like. No idea, no. <laughs> like, you did not have any... No frame of reference for, reference. like, this is a role model. This yeah. is... With the bodybuilding where you're like, yeah. finally some normalcy in my life? It was, it was. It felt bus. very stable. It was, yeah. I was not sad at all about the divorce. It was like, right. here's two right. people yeah. that a lot of 90s kids, like, hold this bag. Like, my parents yeah. divorced, everything fell apart. <laughs> that was the most normal thing that I was like, you. thank God, these people yes. are terrible yeah. yes. together. They could finally, you know, have their own life. Um, yeah, my dad was by when they met, and then my mom thought she could change him, and, uh -huh. and that's not how gay works at all. <laughs> so then 15 years later, he was like, uh, no. The bodybuilding was the last-ditch attempt. To <laughs> <laughs> that is a great point. That right. is a great point to be like, I'll give you the body you want. Check out these pecs. Oh, she would also never, she never got that big. She never won anything because she was not, she was so vain that she wasn't willing yeah. to, actually to actually do accrue the, muscles. Yeah, because okay. like, like, they stopped doing the uh, female contest because they're so unpopular. Oh, is that true? Because no one wants oh. to see that. Yeah, there's yeah. like amateur ones, but there's not like a okay. Miss Olympia, like they just Stop five years right, ago, right? Because uh, the whole they would do the women's after, and the entire audience would stand up and leave, and it'd be like me, and then four guys with two <laughs> blue children. tits in. Yeah. I oiled her, right? <laughs> I oiled her up. All right, <laughs> help reviving these things. Well, yeah. now is she? I feel like she must have a third 
iteration now. Is she doing something else now? Uh, yeah, she's in an RV again. Uh, okay. She's got a new husband. Oh, right. And uh, she just like takes stuff from the trash and then cleans it up and, and like sells it at flea markets. Oh. And she gets to travel around a lot. She's All still right. working out a bunch. So they're actually traveling. She's definitely leveled out and has okay. become like uh, a, a mom to us, like all the ways I wish she would have when oh. we were younger. So oh. it's a nice, really like That's a, a happy redemption ending. story. Yeah. I mean, it's not over. It's not over, but I think it's just, a happy point. Well, I think we've also become more tolerant too. The older I get and the more mistakes that I make, as an adult, like I was, I'm their same age when they had five kids. And I don't wow. think honestly I could, well, I could probably do a little bit better of a job. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't be in a bus, but I can't honestly say, cause I don't You'd have any children. You'd be on Conan's tour jet. Right. <laughs> yes, that would be better. And that has a cult-like environment. I forgot to mention I'm bringing five children with me. Right. In, a, in an industrial sized cotton course, candy machine right. that you cannot get around without getting We're hurt. losing altitude on account of the cotton candy machine. <laughs> what do we, we dump? Stay up. Dump fuel. <laughs> couple of the kids we can't lose the candy real quick just to go back i we're, we're gonna let yeah. you go soon no, i promise oh I, I think conan just did the show without <laughs> it's Moses. Over, yeah yes. we definitely simon huge priorities i think yeah. you chose correctly <laughs> no this was way better than what, whatever you're doing on the show um yeah, makes sense. no i'm sure it's great uh so you <laughs> <laughs> so you're for the first time that you did stand up on yeah. conan what was that process like for you? What did you have to do to kind of get your set ready? Did you talk to other people who had done it before? Yeah. Um, you're supposed to, like, run your set a bunch before. I didn't have the luxury of doing that because at the time I was shooting a teen drama in Utah. Okay. And there's, like, one club there. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Mormon club. There's no alcohol or caffeine? There's no alcohol. No. That's, that's actually what happens. They keep the house lights on. Almost and cult-like. Right? <laughs> that's my base. And then they just sit with two Diet Cokes because you can't really have caffeine right. as a Mormon. Right. But you, like the loophole is Diet Coke. Right. So they would just start with two Diet Cokes and they'd be dressed up like church and they would just sit there with the lights on. And uh, <laughs> that was the show. So it was like the worst place to run your set. So when yeah. I finally got here, flew in the, the like that morning of... Got to do the show with such a warm audience yeah. and felt so... And you're like, oh, yeah, just like laugh I could just at fly. this. Yeah. yeah. And uh, J.P. Buck books the comics yes. on our show. Did you, like, is it a, is there a great amount of back and forth with him leading uh, up to the a show? Lot, a okay. lot, to the point where you get a little bit angry. Right. Where <laughs> you're like, there's no, why? I have to change this sentence. And you right. run the set so much yeah. that uh, I started bombing with the set that yeah, I originally right. wanted to do on the show. Right. Because it was so rehearsed and oh, you're going right, up right. to the comedy club where people are doing like 15 and they're talking to the crowd. Right. I'm going up mm -hmm. with like a word perfect. A script, right. yeah. Yeah, and, and people can tell and that you're not having fun anymore. Mm. And then so, so then we the only that. one in the audience laughing. <laughs> that <was> right. fantastic. <laughs> That's technically the words. <laughs> but then I just kind of scrapped that and then mm. um, just from doing all the, the roof shows, kind of retouched base with JP and then had a much funner, looser set. Is, was, I wonder if that's JP's plan all along. Yeah, like, like he's trying to break us like a horse. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then build you back up. <laughs> break you down and build he her up. My also legs. a cult strategy, actually. <laughs> yes. yes. So that works on me. The cult within. I am, I have noticed just like I am more comfortable around people that are mean to me. <laughs> if you're like raised religious and yeah. you're just like, and people are like, yeah, you're doing great. I'm like, ooh, gross. <laughs> I don't trust that at all. Yeah, so it was a it was a great it was a great experience from being on the show, and uh -huh. it was a night and day difference. After everyone says now that these sets don't mean anything, right? Uh, they're like, ah, oh, no one's no one's watching late night sets right. anymore. But for me personally, the the set did well online, and, and you said it opened doors for better clubs, and yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow, and, that's, and sitcom that's great. opportunities. Uh, it was a, a, a light switch. It was a very clear. Oh, that's really cool. That's awesome. yeah. And I've pissed yeah. it all away. So now I'm <laughs> scrounging around for another set today. Hey, you guys have any loose time? <laughs> well, turns out we do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for today. Good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking really, thank the time you. to talk to us. This is really fun. I was yeah, really I had a good fun. time. I, I had a good time. You, yeah. I can tell that there are more stories in you. So we may yes. have to have you back sometime. I would love to. Can you come back in 10 minutes? <laughs> yes. In between we'll my segment, in between the time I do a set on the show and the couch piece during that commercial break. Yeah. I want to know, I want to know the reps your mother was doing. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Moses. Thank Good you luck. for having me. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk to J.P. Buck, Conan's stand-up booker. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? 
where working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. We're back with Inside Conan. Here's our conversation with stand-up comedy booker on The Conan Show, J.P. Buck. So we just had a fun interview with Moses Storm, um, and it made us start thinking about the process of how stand-ups get booked on the show. And so we wanted to talk to our guest here, J.P. Buck. Hello, J.P. Hello. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's a lovely studio. Thank you. Thank you. They can't see it. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And as Jesse said, you're in charge of booking all the comics. who And we have a lot of stand-ups come on the show. So it's a big, big job. Well, and I think our show has had the sort of reputation for really finding new voices and often giving opportunities to people who've never done stand-up on Late Night before. Well, I mean, that all comes from Conan. He's been incredibly, incredibly supportive of young comics. And I think when we started here at TBS, he really wanted to really, I guess, swing for the fences and and open up the gates to a lot of comics who may not be mainstream and also may not Mm -hmm. have gotten on on other late night shows. And so it's certainly kept me busy. That's great. Uh, so, JP, you've been with the show since The Tonight Show? Yep, that's been about about 10 years ago. Cool. How do you, what did you do before that? I, I'm interested in how you learn to do this job where it's like, oh, yes, I can book comics on a late night TV show. Were you booking live shows prior to that? or I was uh, working for... Yeah, going between festivals and uh, live performance shows, a bunch of talent shows, which I'm glad I'm not doing anymore. Yeah. Um, I did the, the, I don't know if you remember that Star Search did make a resurgence in about 2003. Mm, Hosted by anyone? Anyone here? Oh, Remember? Uh, Regis Philbin? No. Arsenio Hall. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, it didn't last that long. Um, They were trying to compete with, uh, with American Idol. And uh, yeah, it, 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 I think they were the comics had to do a, a minute and 40 set oh on national God. television in front of um, uh, the uh, the elder Judd. The, uh, was that? Oh, is it, is it Naomi? Mm. No, when one is it? Which one was that? Naomi or Wyona? Miranda? No, she and Ben Stein would, uh, <laughs> would judge stand up comedy and comics. I felt after that I, I owed about 20 comics uh, a debt of gratitude and I need to find them better work elsewhere so so that's how this job they had to about. do a minute 40 a minute 40 and uh and then be follow and actually i think they had to follow a child singer after you know and that's oh never good it sounds like it's not a hot crowd no yeah. not a hot crowd and uh, i did that and then i worked for a number of years at hbo doing the comedy festivals in aspen mm-hmm. um and then uh, worked for montreal comedy festival and and actually, uh, the last thing I did before I got here was working with Ellen DeGeneres on her one of her TBS specials in Vegas. Oh, that—that that was the stand-up. She had stand-ups on uh, various performers. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, think, I think one stand-up Pink performed. There's probably some acrobatics. Mostly puppets. Mostly puppets. <laughs> she, she danced. It is and, Vegas. Uh, yeah, but it was uh, that was that was the last thing I was doing when I got the call. Oh wow! About this. Well, wow, yeah. that's a ton of experience. I'd say you were overqualified. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> So I was wondering, how do you generally find comics for the show, if, especially if it's people who are sort of more under the radar? Are you going to a lot of live comedy in L.A.? Do you see people online? Uh, it's a mix. There's a lot of, I mean, nowadays, and in, in the early days, it was all going out and just you know, going yeah. into, an, uh, into a room you'd never been before, an open mic. I bet you drank a lot. Uh, yeah, I gained probably about 20 pounds in the first couple of years doing this job. Yeah, because um, you have to drink at those things well, to make some, it fun. But then the problem is you book somebody thinking they're amazing, and then you're <laughs> sober in front of your boss, seeing them on a late night stage, and it doesn't work oh, as well. Oh, yeah. 
but drink minimum for our show. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, a lot. Of, there's a lot of going out to live shows. There's a lot of festivals. Uh, you know, the, the big ones: Montreal, Edinburgh, and then uh, Bridgetown used to be a really great festival in Portland. That's probably was my favorite place to go. Is go up there. It's not a good festival anymore. Well, it's just they haven't. I believe it may. Oh. It was teetering on not going forward. Um, oh. So I think unfortunately it may not be going on anymore. Mm. But uh, festivals, and then I just get a lot of submissions, emails every day, links to videos. Oh, well, wow. And now do, so much of it yeah. is it's, probably video. Yeah. I, I probably watch most of my, uh, most of the sets on, on my computer. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I, I would wonder about avoiding eye contact when you're at, <laughs> no, but when you're at a live club, do yep. comics do kind know of, who you are do they, they zero in on you and then try to like engage you with like, hi, uh, it's not too bad. No, I like it. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've been around, I think long enough that I know a lot of the comedians right. already. So it's usually a friendly conversation. Right. Uh, there can be a couple here and there that uh, may not be as pleasant because Do I haven't booked them. Right. Do yeah. people get belligerent and kind of in your face a little there's bit? There's been a couple. Time yeah, to time? There's been a few instances of uh, saying, how the, you know, why the hell haven't you booked me? Mm-hmm. Right. Comparing themselves to other people I've booked, saying that they're better. Yeah. Very uh, smooth. That's a surefire very way smooth. to get booked somewhere. Yeah. Is to insult your taste. <laughs> That's ex- exactly. I'm always yeah. wondering, like, well, what do you, what do you right. think? I'm What's doing? your end game here with this? <laughs> yeah. So th- there's a little bit of that, but for the most part, uh, I mean, I love. I try to get out and see as much live. Yeah, you know, I like <laughs> to see them live, obviously, before booking for the show. But every once in a while, there'll be someone internationally who I just can't fly to, like Sydney, Australia, and see somebody, or I can't get yeah. to right. uh, London in time. And the set's fantastic, and I kind of go on my gut, going, okay, well, I guess this will translate to the stage. And yeah, because that seems to be a big thing that there are even, you know, emerging comedy markets like in India or mm-hmm. in the Middle East. And, and it's like people who I think for a long time didn't have any access to a stage, a comedy stage. So are, have you had experiences where you've like seen a international comic and wanted to fly them in? Well, we had, I think, one recently, was about a year ago, uh, Ismo was on our show. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's a comedian Mm -hmm. from Finland. Uh And the interesting story about him, really quickly, is just that he was the first submission I got when I joined joined here, when I got to The Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. Frank Smiley had passed along his DVD, said we were over in Finland shooting a, a remote. And we got this DVD submission. Why don't you watch it? I took a look at it. And it was it was pretty good. And but he was doing stand up in his second language, which was English. This yeah. was not his first right. language. Right. And I actually asked, uh, you know, I asked him for to send me some more in the future. And sh- I guess this was you know nine years later. He sent me this set, and it was I couldn't go to see him, mm-hmm. but he luckily was touring in the U.S. and was able to, to come by and tape, and it was a fantastic set. Nine years later, nine so years yeah. later. was he literally, literally out of mind, kind of for no, that, or did he keep in touch? Or he kept in touch. They, uh-huh. There were emails here and there right. every once in a while, but it was. It was somebody that I didn't I, I, I didn't know if we'd ever have the chance to get him on. Wow. And it just worked out. And sometimes I've had people that I've known on other shows, like, say, Star Search, mm-hmm. that maybe 15 years later booking them for this show. Is, it's kind of a nice it's yeah. a ni- nice, it's nice, nice to, to see them again. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, a nice message for everybody is you might not get on the first time you submit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you keep working at it, which you should, then eventually it can it can work out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're doing something that's, I mean, these are comedians who perform live regularly, you know, number of times a week, multiple times a night. Yeah. And they're performing for audiences that are there to see stand-up comedy. They're performing for audiences that have been drinking. They're in a, in a room mm-hmm. that right. really, I mean, sweet, you can speak to this. It's very, sure. it's very conducive to a good intimate performance. Mm-hmm. Then you bring them here. It's the middle of the day. They're here to see Conan and or the celebrity. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're like saying, hey, here's this person you've never heard of. Doing a five-minute set, you're not getting a chance to know them, and, you know, you've got to – hopefully this will go as well as it does in front of drunk people. Right. It doesn't always work that way, but you're trying to – I always equate it to it's a different – uh, event at track and field. It's like you're used to running, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you're hour set, yeah, you're used to running like the, the, the two mile and suddenly here we've got a, f- a 50 meter sprint. You've got to, you, you they're going to be analyzing every step that you take through from the first minute to right. minute five. But it cuts the other way too. There are acts that kill in clubs mm-hmm. 
but on TV, they're they're almost too much, and and it's kind of a cooler medium. And some comedians do better on television than they they come across in clubs a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also not really the opportunity to do crowd work on our show, so it's. <laughs> I mean, some you know some comics are it's that's rarely, where they really shine. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's tough. We do. I mean, it's nice that there's a, there are, have been a few that have been able to interact with the audience, mm-hmm. and I think that's been when it's. When it's worked, it's worked really well. Yeah. It's it, crowd work is fascinating. I, I don't know if it's still the case, but the city of Boston mm-hmm. comic, no comic would do crowd work. It was almost like an unwritten rule. And, and there were clubs there. If you came from New York, cause a lot of New York comics did crowd work, go to Boston. Like if you talk to the audience once, they'd be like, You'll you don't killed. do that. Oh. You don't do that in this club. <laughs> and the crowd kind of knew that. Everyone was kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're breaking all the rules. It's uncomfortable. I kind of love how different, you, you you probably notice this, there are almost different comedian personas mm-hmm. by city. Yeah. And and a lot of it, I think, is based on the live audiences they, they get to develop in front of. Because some, mm. like San Francisco, yeah. those audiences, they're almost like Broadway theater crowds where they're like, oh my God, this is, th- I can't <laughs> believe I'm out at a comedy club. <laughs> Whereas New York, they're just like, just staring at you yeah. or, or screaming at you. Well, I think, I, yeah, I think you mentioned San Francisco. I think I've, I, I think there was a wave in the 90s I noticed. There was a lot more experimental comedians coming yes. out of San Francisco mm-hmm. than out of New York or Boston or Chicago. Absolutely. I That was absolutely the case. And they a lot of times they'd be flown in for Letterman auditions, mm-hmm. like a Catch Rising Star. And these acts that had developed in these really kind of pristine conditions would get thrown up in front of a crowd of drunk investment bankers and just hit the wall and they just they had they went back to San Francisco <laughs> just i mean they were just stunned the, the audience does uh, people have different theories on audiences there is a variation night to night mm-hmm. um so, yes, there are certain nights where and if you know who the comedian is going to be and, and how, you know, uh, adventurous or experimental they are. And you you can tell within the first two monologue jokes, oh, it's going to be rough for the comedian or, yep. oh, they're going to have a great set. Don't you think? I oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. There, there have been nights where I've just gone, oh boy, this is oh, not the right night for them. Oh, and you know that that's yeah. going to happen, but they're yes. still there, like excited. To I go know, on. and you don't want. I mean, you, you want to mm. be careful about what what you tell them. And so every once in a while, I'll have to read whether you know what I have to kind of figure out: is this the comic that you tell this is not a good audience? You're right. really going to have to really hit these things hard, or you're going to have to like say come up with a really good opening line to like win them over. Yeah, or it's if you just delicate. yeah, you've got to find the right balance because you don't want to get in their head uh, and tell them something that may just throw them off completely and make right. them panic. And But you do also sometimes want to make sure they know what right. they're in for because they will make them out with a, their line that works every night, their opener mm-hmm. that just always kills. And suddenly they get out there and it just thuds <sighs> and they but panic for, and you don't want them to. So you may have to give that person a heads up that it's like, be ready. Going, it's so hard because mm-hmm. for comics, if they know, oh, everyone else isn't doing well. Then it is very liberating in a way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, I mean, this is going to be mm-hmm. rough. But it, but that thought of like, oh, it's just me. They just hate me. It's like, oh no, they hate, yeah. <laughs> they hate everybody. <laughs> and that that kind of relaxes you, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is very hard. I used to do the warm up back in New York, and Conan would be like, how are they every single <laughs> night? Yeah. And I always had to. It was a judgment call. Right. They'd have to be really bad for me to go. They're just off their assholes. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, because I otherwise it's like running out to a brick They're wall. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. smashing. Right and then suddenly the he's started out himself going, what Sweeney said they were amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd be home by then. <laughs> well, so you're the last you're you're kind of the person that they connect with right before they go out. Is that do you have a, a sort of process or routine for how you kind of psych them up for their a prayer. spot. Yeah. <laughs> it really, de- it really depends. Uh, I try to make them just remember that they've 
they've been doing this for, you know, decades, mm -hmm. years, and they're used to this. And this is no different. It's not a bigger, bigger audience. than they, they perform for bigger audiences and to try and not get overwhelmed by the fact that this is going to be broadcast and they're going to have to like, you know, face their friends and their family afterwards if it doesn't go well. And just try to like tell them that, hey, this is you've tested these jokes. You know, they're great. Yeah. And just also don't rush and don't worry about the time cues. The biggest thing is they sometimes will see time cues mm -hmm. and uh, unlike just getting one red light at a comedy club you've got a stage manager going three minutes two minutes right. one minute wrap it up and i try and just tell them listen just forget that mm -hmm. if it goes long it's on me you'll figure we'll figure out a way to like you know make it fit into the show but don't you bail on the set and panic and so that's usually the last thing i'm, I'm telling and them before run. they go out there oh yeah. that that's interesting i didn't mm -hmm. know you you kind of give them that little final chat. usually yeah I mean, I give them like it depends on the person. There, there. Everybody, every personality is different. Um, so I just try to right. read what I think. Uh, right, and a lot of them down. probably, it's like a fighter in a corner. They're like hearing every tenth word. They're like, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, <laughs> let's get this over with. Just, just punch me, me out in the face. There. <laughs> do you tell them uh, play to the camera or do you play to the audience? Like it's a live show and and let the camera take care of itself. Oh. Play the audience, but on, if you've got a line or, or or some sort of maybe like maybe if you're playing a character, right, and that character is directing something to you, then maybe if it works, play it to cam play it to camera. But right. other than that, really play the room and make sure you engage the room because if you look at comedy specials, rarely do you see anyone playing to the camera. It's right. really it should be treat. I always try to treat it the same as as you would a special, and right. also like you would treat a real room. Yeah, yeah. And the red light can be scary. Oh my God! The, the red light yeah. coming on. You know, there's five the cameras. Tally light on the camera and yeah. the tally light. Right. It's the kill light. It is. <laughs> why red? Maybe. I maybe know. if it was a softer, it's like a sniper's, like a nice laser. turquoise blue, magenta. Maybe. Yes, it'd be a little yeah. more relaxed. But it's red. <laughs> it's angry. It's it's code nine. <laughs> Do you, JP, have any advice for someone out there who does stand up, who wants to get on late night? And, you know, had, doesn't have any idea kind of how to make that happen. Well, I, I, I w what I would do is just keep in mind that four and a half to five minutes is a very short period of time. Yeah. So really, there's a lot of weight put on every bit, every joke. Mm -hmm. So I am always looking for something that's someone with, that's unique, someone that has something is something to say that hasn't been said ten thousand times. Obviously, it's not going to be the first time you've heard every joke, but you're saying it in a different way from other people. Um, there are tried and <laughs> well trod bits and premises that I would avoid. Mm -hmm. um, it's often tough to kind of open your set with one of those because you may lose the audience right away. So it's really about trying something, you know, going with something that's more unique. You really want to hit the ground with a really killer opener. And uh, if you can really end your set with a oh, the mic drop, if you can, that just yeah. find that line that the audience applause ends the set for you, that really you're not having to go. That's it. That's yeah. all I've got. Uh, and you can you can commercial. Yeah, <laughs> Tony for Tony commercial, Cooper, please. Uh, yeah, that's that's really my my advice for for comics. Right. Just to, yeah. you know, if a bit works in a twenty minute set, it may not work in a five minute right. set. Right. So that's its own beast. Is having a five minute. It's very different. It crafted. Is, yeah. I mean, it, while yeah. it's not like maybe true stand up comedy because it's not what you see in a, in a stand up club, it's your sort of business card, your calling card, mm -hmm. your invitation for people to come see you live and, you know, maybe follow you if you host a podcast or if you've got mm -hmm. a special, download that. That's awesome. great. Yeah. And Moses said his appearance on the show really helped him yeah. as a calling card. You just yeah. used that term. He oh, said good. he yeah, started getting yeah. much better bookings after that. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can wish for. Mm -hmm. That's like That yeah. makes me happier than anything else, really. If someone comes off and says, you know what, someone saw this and booked me for another gig, that's the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Well, this is so informative. Thank yes. you. Well, thank you. That sounded thank like you. a really boring way to wrap things up. <laughs> it actually was, guys. Assholes. Thanks, JP. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. Yeah. So that was a great exclusive that was great. piece of advice for aspiring comics out there. I hope thousands of people contact JP to be on the show now. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've done a great service. And you can take a selfie with him, no questions asked. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. Oh, wow. It's over Can you already. believe it? That's crazy. It went by so fast. That's insane. <laughs> now what do we do? 
I don't know. I guess we have to go back to work. Uh, One more thing before we go. Yeah. Moses Storm brought a really amazing home video of sorts. Yes. It's hard to describe that video, but it does involve Conan. And it does. It's, and it's, it's real. Great. It was for something he recorded as a, as a youth. Yes. And if you're a fan of Conan's old late night show, you'll love this clip. So go to teamcoco.com to watch that. Uh, or there's also a link in the show notes if you're lazy. <laughs> oh, and hey, this is new. If you want to contact us and you have a question or there's uh, something you'd like to hear discussed on the show, uh, you can do that now. We have a phone number. It's 323-209-5303. And an email, insideconanpod at gmail.com. I can't believe they're using my home phone number for this. <laughs> no one asked me. <laughs> so call Sweeney at any time of the night. He wants to hear from you. I do. Wait, Sweeney. Yeah. There's a breaking scandal that's taking place currently on. Check your email. Let's see. Um, we have this ongoing issue where the third floor complains. We're on the third floor. The writers are on the third floor. And mm-hmm. Conan and Jeff and the producers are on the second floor. The elites. The elites. And they get much better snacks. They get better everything. And other In their perks. kitchen. Yeah. And somebody just sent an email. Levi, one of our writers. One of our writers. Wow. It perfectly encapsulates the difference between the third floor and the <laughs> second floor. It's fantastic. This is a breaking scandal. And the second floor has Coke Zero. Right. And the third floor has, I think I don't it's know what Vons is. Signature Select. I don't know. Zero calorie cola soda. I think this soda comes from Albania. <laughs> and Jeff Ross, our executive producer, has replied to this shot across the bow with, that's unacceptable. And I don't know whether he's talking about Levi criticizing the second floor. Yeah. Or the soda disparity. I think when we get back to the office, Levi could be dead. (laughs) Murderer. So this is, we're going to share that photo with you guys so that you can see that we're not making this up. Yes, check it out. They're going to try to gaslight us into thinking that we're crazy, but when you see the the conditions we are operating under on the third floor, yes, you might just want to send us money. I yeah. I think at least contact the close the gap Department of Labor on our behalf. Yes, please, Los Angeles Department of Labor. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Julia Smith and Kevin Bartelt. Engineered by Will Becton and Sam Kiefer. Mixed by Ryan Connor. Supervising producer is Aaron Blair. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.